You're listening to the Small Town Monsters Broadcasting Network. You can find out more about this and other network shows, as well as Small Town Monsters films, books, our upcoming Kickstarter campaign, and much more at smalltownmonsters.com. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to STN Live. My name is Aaron. I still have the privilege of being your host. Somehow, it's confounding to me. Um, hello to everybody who's tuning in from all over. I see we have folks all over the place. Victoria, Australia, North Carolina, West Virginia, Oregon. Great to see you all. Sorry, I'm having trouble keeping up with the, the list here. So many. Uh, shout out to our new squad members, Jeremy Reel. Welcome to the squad and Tori Johnson as well. Uh, squad, if, in case you didn't know, uh, Squad is YouTube channel members. That's a fun thing that we like to call our channel members. So if you want to join the squad, you get access to a ton of cool stuff. A um, couple of quick announcements we'll get through tonight, and then we will get into our discussion with our guest. We are, of course, this evening talking about the final episode of Dark Coast, Hunt for the Alaskan Bigfoot, Journey's End, uh, available to squad members. We were talking about this a moment ago in ad-free 4K. Very, very cool stuff. Um, there is a super cool deal going right now over at the STM shop. You can get free shipping on orders over $50. So get the gifts for the monster lover in your life. This is a really poorly written promo. I didn't prepare it, but get on over there, folks. Ton of great stuff, free shipping, save some money. And more importantly, the Kickstarter doth fast approacheth, friends. We are We are within two months of the next Small Town Monsters Kickstarter. Um, it's impossible to emphasize how important this is to um, the future of STM and just the, the content we continue to be able to bring you guys. Uh, you literally get to be a part of the journey with us by signing up for the Kickstarter. And you also get access to a ton of great rewards, including this artwork we're looking at right now by none other than the amazing Jonathan Dodd. And we're actually gonna be revealing some more Kickstarter exclusive stuff tomorrow over on social media. So keep an eye out for that. And last but not least, we do have a new episode of The Lore You Know available for you guys right now featuring Brian Seach, who you will recognize from Sasquatch Unearthed, Mountain State Monsters. Speaking of Sasquatch Unearthed, season three is coming next year. And that is something else you will get early access to as a Kickstarter backer. So without further ado, let's get into tonight's discussion. I'm super excited. I know you guys are too, just from the comments that are already coming in. Man, look, there's a bunch of you guys here already. So great to see you. All righty. Please welcome Mr. Alex Petikov. How's it going, man? Fantastic, my friend. How are you? Good, good. Busy. You know, end of the year tends to be a lot of stuff going on, obviously with the holidays coming up. Uh, a lot of different things going on in life and some busy stuff here at STM too as well. So always. Yeah. Something. Yeah. There's a lot happening right now. It just, just the stuff that's happening this week. There's a lot happening yeah. right now. <laughs> so um, never we, pause for sure. No, definitely. I almost, I almost made a joke on one of the social posts the other day, but I didn't want it to sound complainy. Like, you know, the holidays are here, but we're not on vacation, you know, which meant to be a good <laughs> thing. Like, yeah, let's keep this going, but it right, could have right. sound, sounded negative. Um, <laughs> shout out again to all of our squad members in the audience. I see a few folks, Maynard W and Corey James just jumped in. Great to see you guys. Um, a lot of, a lot of names. I'm seeing a lot of folks that we see regularly on the show. So great to see everyone. As always, please be sure to throw out your questions and comments for me or for Alex. 
uh, in the chat. We are talking about Journey's End tonight, but we're also going to talk about Dark Coast as a whole as a series, since this is the final episode. Um, so, Alex, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, yeah. It's uh, obviously unfortunate that it's the end, but uh, I wanted to kind of wrap it up at the end of the year here. I felt like, you know, not dra not necessarily dragging it into next year, but I felt like it would be cool to kind of wrap it up right towards the end of the year. Obviously, this series had five episodes and it started back in August, I believe was the first episode. So, I mean, we filmed it in June, right up into early July. I was already editing it by the end of July and in early August, the episode came out. And then I think almost every month for the most part, we had an episode coming out, if that's if my math is correct. So uh, yeah, it pretty much took us from the end of the summer into the fall and into uh, the end of the year. So I thought that was kind of a cool way to do it. Yeah, definitely. I think I had just started working with STM at the time. Excuse me. Bless you. Bless you. <clears throat> Hope you're okay. Oh, no, oh you're I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably around that you, you started some point between, I think, after the series may have started. I'm not I know I'm getting all my times mixed up because I'm thinking Somewhere like, oh, this, there, yeah. this was in June, right? And it feels like it was just yesterday, but then you look at it, it's actually it wasn't. It was a long time ago. It feels like it, yeah. This has been like a fast year, but it's also kind of flown by. <laughs> There's a lot that's been going on. Yeah, it's been very, very crazy, busy. I mean, just the whole my whole year, just with all the all the shoots and all the trips. I mean, I started it going to Florida in January. I was in Louisiana in February did some local stuff. We were in British Columbia in May. And then I did that drive up to Alaska that Dark Coast was a part of. And that was a month and a half that I was basically on the road or in Alaska. So it was just a lot. So we're still, we're still working through. We still have one more Alaska related video from that trip that I took over the summer. So even though Dark Coast is over, there is one more Beyond the Trail that's going to be an Alaska related episode uh, and should be maybe in January, February, not really sure yet, but early in the new year. Very exciting. And I think we this has come up on the show before, but we're not done with Alaska yet. Probably not. No, we shall see, uh, <laughs> I guess, what the future holds. But yeah, some of our Alaska stuff has been obviously some of my favorite stuff to ever work on, uh, obviously location wise, but like that whole Area A case of taking it back to last year with the um, with the Alaskan Coastal Sasquatch, you know, that was kind of the, the genesis of it, how it all started. And that was that was still one of the most fascinating cases I've ever had the chance to work on in one of the most beautiful places on in the world, um, which is obviously Alaska. So it's pretty incredible. That's fantastic, man. Yeah, I, I've been so excited to watch this series, you know, evolve and, and for the episodes to roll out and just watching the enthusiasm grow. Like people have been excited about this since the jump. But, you know, even seeing in the comments now, people are people are sad to see it end. So yeah. it's, it's been really impactful, I think, in the community, for sure. I've been hearing that for sure, but that people are, are sad it's over. I mean, obviously, I am, too. I mean, it was it was such a whirlwind. You got to realize being out there for two weeks. Right. I mean, that goes by so quick. And then I'm editing it and working on it in a kind of case by case basis between the five episodes since end of July, early August up until basically end of November when I finished that uh, last episode. So this last episode that just came out. So it's kind of been a whirlwind because you're reliving all those memories from a trip that happened over six months ago at this point. So, yeah, and I know it was it was kind of after we did the Alaskan Coastal Sasquatch Expedition, 
in 2022, we obviously said that we'd like to go back. So it was really cool to be able to, to do a follow-up. And that's something I want to try to do a little bit more with some of the Bigfoot-related stuff uh, is, is following up on previous cases or previous investigations and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I want that kind of takes me into the first question I had for you. Um, and I'm sorry for not sending you notes today. I just realized I never did that. I, I wonder, I wonder how, and I've asked you this in previous streams, but now that the series is concluded, I wonder how your perspective on Sasquatch may have changed or evolved, you know, as you not only were on this trip, visiting these locations and talking to these witnesses, but also having to go back and meticulously go through all this footage and edit it and kind of relive it. You know, I'm, I'm, that's a really long question, but I'm curious if your perspective on this stuff evolved throughout that process. I don't know if it changed a whole lot. I mean, I'm still, I still see things the same, I'd say, in terms of the topic. I think it's just that whole trip. I mean, not, not just including being at Area A or the Kenai Peninsula, but the drive up to Alaska. And this is something I talked about months ago in the Alaska Bigfoot Highway, which kind of documented my journey from the lower 48 to Alaska, just how much space there still is out there. That unless you've really seen it, flown over or driven it, it's hard to hard to actually understand how much uninhabited territory there is, especially in Canada. I mean, the lower 48 in the U.S. is is pretty crowded. There are still some remote places, but obviously it doesn't compare to a place like British Columbia or the Yukon or obviously Alaska. So. Uh, the, spending those two weeks at Area A as well and not having anything interesting happen or suspicious, even though we had a couple of things happen last year, kind of makes you wonder what is there some sort of seasonal pattern? You know, what is going on out there? Uh, there's just so much space that and I think it was the last episode, Rainforest Frontier, where I kind of talked about how it's all the same or similar habitat going from basically the redwoods of Northern California all the way up to uh, that part of Alaska, thousands of miles of, of rugged coastline that's still very, very remote and uninhabited for the most part. There's still so much space that uh, it's kind of no wonder that there's not really much more going on with that topic. So mm -hmm. it just it, it wasn't really a sense of frustration. It was just sort of like, well, this is this is kind of par for the course. This is what happens most of the time you're out there that maybe even something like two weeks is not enough time. I mean, you see the, the lengths that the groups like the Olympic Project go, and there, and that's obviously being documented in in some of our other films and in the series by Eli, which is the new one. Uh, it just kind of reinforces some of the previous coverage we've had of the Olympic Project, how much time they dedicate to a, one particular area year-round. They're going back in there. They're, they're looking at that site that maybe two weeks isn't enough, but, you know, what point is? Like, you go out there for a month, you go out for two months. I mean, that's, a, that's asking for a lot, right, because you have to not only put personal life on hold, family, friends, that sort of thing. What level of dedication could you go to, right? Yeah. I mean, we we yeah. upped it just a week. We did a week last year, and then this year was two weeks. So, I mean, that's that was kind of what was feasible with the current setup. But uh, I think it, it would probably take more time to get anything more substantial or even be able to understand the patterns and get some of the um, – kind of the rhythms of these areas or, or if there's a cyclical nature, you know, I mean, we commented a lot in some of the Alaska stuff about it. Something could have easily walked two valleys over and you'd never have any idea that it was there. Any type of wildlife, right? I'm not talking Sasquatch. I'm saying any wildlife, right? So uh, that's the thing with a place like Alaska it just has that space. So yeah, it is, uh, it is quite something. And yeah, it's definitely been some of my favorite stuff 
ever to really work on, which is saying a lot because there's so many amazing places I've had the chance to go to just working on Beyond the Trail. So it's, yeah, it's awesome. We have a comment about Beyond the Trail, which I have now misplaced, but I was saving it. Ah, here it is. Uh, Shubham K. Sharma says Beyond the Trail is the best series from STM. Um, and Shubham is watching from India, he mentioned a moment ago. So thank you for watching. Always Very always cool. love seeing where people are coming from, but thank you for that. Um, we do have a couple, well, we have several questions from the audience. So let's get into this. I love hearing from our audience. Uh, Jennifer Arnold, squad member, says, I would love to see Alex do a series at Area X. That'd be cool. Yeah, just go to all the areas with uh, Area in front of the title, right? <laughs> 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 no, that would be cool. Obviously, Area X with the NAWAC, another very promising area. I think those guys are similar to the Olympic Project in that they're one of the more serious groups looking into the topic uh, in general, right? So that would be cool. Um, you know, I've thought about going down there before. Uh, we'll see, I guess, what the future may hold out. So yeah, yeah. you never know. It would be really cool, though. I know Seth had some cool stuff happen when they went down there. Seth and Adam went down there, oh, gosh, 2018, 19. Mm -hmm. Long time ago at this point. It's been a little bit. Yeah. yeah. That, I believe that movie just came out on YouTube also. Yes, that was uh, not that not that long ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, we this one has come up before as well. Oblivion says <laughs> you got to go to Portlock, Alaska. So this one comes up probably the most out of any comment. Well, one of the like three most common comments we get with any of the Alaska related stuff. It's not that easy, right? People know of the Portlock story. I think largely the Portlock story is not exactly the truth of what happened there. And you can check out stuff like what Larry Beans Baxter has done. He wrote a book about the Portlock case. He was one of the first people to go on expeditions there. Um, that area is privately owned, so you can't just go there and film, right? I mean, mm -hmm. so is the situation with Area A. We, you know, we were invited to go there. It's private property. Uh, but Portlock is actually owned by a, a, a Native American tribe in that area. So they issue permits for filming. So some of these TV shows and other productions that have been there have gotten a permit. So it's not exactly you can't just show up. Yeah. So that's something yeah. that was not feasible to do. Um, and, and I feel like it's just kind of overplayed. With that said, though, I will be covering in the last Alaska related uh, Beyond the Trail video coming out in 2024, which will include a lot of cool stuff that will have a whole section about Portlock and the Port Chatham story. Because, again, I think that the story is very misleading. You've got shows out there that are uh, you know blatantly fake talking about it and you've got other stuff like some of the documentaries that beans was involved in came out before you know this infamous tv show with the title killer in it we'll leave it at that uh, <laughs> uh beans was on some expeditions they filmed out there and you know it's 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 basically the identical kind of environment to a place like area a as beans would say you could take a picture of poor chatham and some of the stuff we got this june in area a and put them side by side Somebody said it's the same location because it's all the same habitat. It's it's hundreds of miles of coastal rainforest in Alaska. So um, that, like I said, that documentary will cover that story because we've got interviews with Beans on it. We've also got interviews with uh, this guy named Chuk, who's a outdoors guy up in Alaska who grew up in um, Homer, Alaska, which is the closest kind of place to Port Chatham. And he heard stories growing up. So we'll talk a little bit about that. It's also going to include a little bit of Area A stuff, just some mentions, but then... The, the exciting part will be an interview with Les Stroud, uh, a.k.a. Survivor Man, about his weird encounter on the Kenai Peninsula, which happened 
way before he started doing the Bigfoot stuff. It was, uh, that's what primarily interests me. You know, I wasn't so interested in his Bigfoot show as much as I was that encounter, which happened while he was filming Survivor Man. Um, and it's got kind of a connection to the Area A story too that I've talked about in the past. So that interview will be in that film too. So that'll be exciting. It'll just, it's kind of going to be encounters on the Kenai Peninsula. So it talks about not only those coastal areas like Area A, Port Chatham, but some of the interior areas that maybe don't aren't as well known. And we went to some sighting locations with Beans. He took us to some places because obviously he operates in that area. So he's got all the reports there. But yeah, the Port Chatham question, Port Lock, very common. I always have to kind of address it. You know, I think it's overdone, but uh, I mean, who wouldn't want to go there, right? Of course, but it's not as easy as you think. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of logistics involved that, you know, presents a very real obstacle <laughs> to that. Uh, Oblivion also asks, this is about the show itself, if this is a recording or if it's only live. She probably mentioned this at the beginning, but uh, every it's episode live. of this, it is live, uh, but also every episode of this show is available on your podcasting platform of choice. Um, typically within 24 hours of airing. So thanks for asking that, Oblivion. Uh, Smedley Do-Right asks, are Alaskan Bigfoot super mean? I have no idea. I mean, maybe. <laughs> we don't. We really don't know. <laughs> there's no way to, to guess, obviously, what's going on. I mean, there's the stories, like, yeah, like, like I mentioned with the Port Chatham stuff, which I think is highly exaggerated uh, for you know just the story element of uh, killing Bigfoots. We do talk about it in the... Um, Land of the Missing, a little bit of some of those stories that I think Cliff Berrickman brings up a good point in, in his speculating about, well, if Sasquatches are indeed some kind of a creature that lives in its environment, you know, it, it's safe to assume they could be possible of some extreme violence, just like any animal could. I mean, you can see a grizzly bear from your car and think, oh, it's not, it's not going to attack me. And maybe and nine times out of 10, it probably won't. But when it attacks you, right, they're capable of this a wild animal or something that lives in the environment, chimps, gorillas too, they're capable of violence. So uh, we obviously can't, we don't have any way to guess that, but uh, yeah. Well, if you, if you own a cat speculative. and I'm, I'm joking, but I'm not joking. If you own a house cat, like they will, they will turn on you like that. So <laughs> a, a large exactly. wild animal. I'm serious. Like a large, no, wild I believe animal, it. Yeah. Animals yeah. are, can be unpredictable <laughs> humans too. I mean, you never know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's, I guess we can just kind of, assume or, or make uh, make some theories about it or postulate some ideas mm -hmm. yeah one of those one of those kind of endless lines of speculation great question smedley do right thank you for that uh marcia shelley this is more of a comment not so much a question but i loved it hope you keep the beyond the trail series going love it so thank you for that marcia thanks yeah it'll continue might be at a little bit lesser uh capacity going into the next year there's going to be some other stuff too, some other interesting stuff, and I can't really talk about that too much. But <laughs> it probably won't be as as regular as it's been. But there definitely still will be more beyond the trails. I mean, I've got a bunch that I've already filmed that will be coming out. So uh, there there is that. Of course, as I mentioned, the Alaska one will be the first one, so it'll be a good way to start off the year. Yeah, for sure. Always, always stuff brewing in the background. Uh, CJ Balker asks, and we were kind of talking about this a little while ago in terms of the space, but for a person who's never been to Alaska, why is there so many Bigfoots in Alaska being a small state? Um, I don't know. I mean, we obviously have no idea if, if there's a lot or if there's a little, if there's any. I mean, there's obviously still plenty of t room for debate. Plenty of people skeptical. Does it even exist, right? We hmm. don't know. Um, and Alaska is not a, 
I wouldn't say it's a small state. <laughs> Definitely not. It's the largest state in the U.S. by far. And uh, I mean, the largest kind of territory, I think, in, in, in North America, at least, including some of these Canadian provinces, I believe. It's, uh, you know, it's a pretty it's a pretty big place. So it's mm -hmm. it's goes coast to coast. If you line up some of the Alaska coastline, West Coast or the East Coast, it's 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 enormous. But we don't know. We don't know how many there are. I mean, there could be very few. It's just such a large place. So there could be more than average. I mean, I don't know. That's one of those things that we have absolutely no way of possibly gauging, at yeah. least not at the moment. So it, it is interesting. And this may be uh, part of what they're asking about. It's interesting that there are so many sightings in a place where, you know, you do have such a small population. It's a big space, but you don't have as many people, you know, scattered around. So yeah, that, that's that's an interesting question. Something I've always wondered about. Great question, CJ. Thank you for that. Uh, our friend Michael Tovar asks, Alex, the aerial shots of Dark Coast were awesome and enjoyed the shows. You consider putting a trail camera at the house you all found in the woods to see if anyone or maybe Sasquatch showed up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we considered it. I think it would be just, I don't know how we'd possibly get that unless we went back to the location, of course. And I don't know if that's in the cards right for this year so we don't know um so it'd be maybe a while and the problem is if you were to use one of those cell cameras you need a cell signal and you don't have nothing out there i mean we only get satellite uh connection out there so it would be it, it would be an interesting idea i suppose but uh not one that i think would be practical at least for our purposes um but it would be interesting so yeah talking about that kind of the, the house slash the cabin we found would have been interesting but um, it was pretty tough to get to, so I would hate to impose somebody else who's going out there just for the reasons that, that the cab, the main cabin we were at was made was for people to go fishing and enjoy, and that's what the mm. property owner uses it for. Um, I would hate to tell them, hey, you know, you have to go get our equipment that's still up there. But, um, yeah, I don't think it even really crossed our mind at the time just because we were so weirded out by what this camera is. And then, of course, you run the risk, let's say there is somebody it comes back maybe after years and it's like, Oh, what's this doing here? And then you'll, you'll never see your equipment again. So yeah. Yeah. I yeah. guess that's a possibility. Cause you know, it doesn't mean it is a very remote area, but there, as, as we saw, there are a few other cabins in that space, but you go along a lot of coastal Alaska, there's cabins that are kind of in near the coves and the bays while it's still an extremely rugged wild area. Hmm. That's an interesting, it's, it's another one of those things that like given infinite time and resources, you know, if only we could do that. Yeah, live out there for like a year. You got to go hermit style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People I do mean, it. People in Alaska do do it. From what I understand, it's it's very tough out there, though, particularly in coastal Kenai Peninsula when the winter rolls around. Uh, you know, they don't get as much, nearly as much snow or the crazy temperatures or temperature drops, I should say, that they get up in, say, Anchorage or interior Alaska. But the seas are very rough. They're almost you know, extremely impossible, very impossible to navigate into mm -hmm. some of these bays. And when you're already over an hour from the nearest port, I mean, you run the risk of if you go down, it's going to be very tough for the Coast Guard to get you. Um, that could be game over. So from like uh, around October to sometimes March, they can't get out there at all. They lock up a lot of these cabins and places that are out there. They lock up for the whole winter, basically. Mm. It really makes you think, you know, we think of the world as being very small, but there are still places that are totally inaccessible to us at certain times of the year. Yeah. Absolutely untamed. Yeah. Blows my mind. Blows my mind. 
Uh, Maynard W. asks, here's an interesting, this is a really interesting question. Uh, any signs of de-extinct mammoths? It's about to be a thing, a new slash old cryptid. How do you feel about that? I don't know if there's any signs of them. I mean, there's still stories, apparently, that people have had sightings. I typically don't put much, much stock into it. I don't think something of that size hiding. I mean, the problem is, you know, yes, you have places in Africa where there's like in South Africa where there's been secret tribes of elephants that are kind of hidden in certain rainforest environments, but Alaska and the environments that the mammoths would be seen, I mean, they probably wouldn't be in some super thick forest. I feel like they'd be, they would have been seen if they're still alive. I, I don't, I, as I said, I don't put much, much stock into it. I can see that maybe they existed there longer than in other places. I mean, there's uh, Wrangell Island, I believe it is. It's somewhere near Alaska slash Russia. And that was a place where mammoths apparently existed on this island up until very recently. So I could see maybe mammoths existing or, you know, 500,000 years ago, perhaps in a place like Alaska. I mean, it's hard to, hard to say, but I don't think there's anything modern. But I think that it's interesting to talk about the new old cryptid. Probably a lot of this talk about that kind of Jurassic Park-esque, uh, trying to extract the DNA and trying to basically bring the mammoth back to life. I don't know how I feel about that. I think, uh, you know, Dr. Ian Malcolm said it best in uh, Jurassic Park. And, you know, we're, we're playing with fire there and we're playing God. So will that go well? Probably not. You didn't stop to ask if you should. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm both I'm both elated and terrified by that concept. Like it's, I would I would love for that to happen. But I also well, it's, don't think it's like happen. it's like even some of the AI <laughs> stuff now, you know, there's great applications, but then it's also terrifying what's going to happen. <laughs> it's it's even like, you know, the, the, the guy who invented dynamite. Um, the idea was, hey, we'll be able to move some mountains, get some railroads, connect some cities and communities. And then it ends up getting used for killing people in war. And so that that was obviously I think he regretted on his deathbed ever inventing it. And I think it's with technology, it's always it's like that. It's a mixed bag. I, I don't know. Bringing mammoths and dodo birds back. Where is it going to end? Right. Yeah. With dinosaurs, with us being eaten. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Watch <laughs> Jurassic Park. It's a lesson. You know, like a movie about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I'm with you on that. Uh, great. Great question, Maynard. I'm all here for sightings of, you know, of a uh, relic dinosaurs and stuff. Uh, Caster, thank you for supporting the channel. Caster, we really appreciate you. Um, asks, do the ferns slash fiddles look munched? Because I wonder if they can process the alkaloids. Hmm. I'm not sure. I don't know if we really looked for that kind of thing. Obviously, ferns, you, know, you get fiddleheads. They have kind of that, I don't want to say acidic, but they have that kind of taste. I mean, you take like fiddleheads, you got to cook them. Usually, they taste pretty good once you cook them. But I guess it's kind of that bitter taste. I don't know. We didn't really pay attention. That's a, kind of a good question, but I, I haven't really have much of an answer. Um, there's a lot of ferns out there, obviously, in uh, parts of this temperate rainforest, but um, I didn't pay attention. I think usually when we were in the woods, especially in the thick underbrush, you're worried about the devil's club, which is this horrible plant that has spikes and that if you, it swings into you, it'll spike you. And it's it's like a, it's just not fun to deal with. So that's most of the time we were probably paying attention to honestly interesting question though you know yeah that's a great question something to keen something. observation yeah something i should probably pay attention yeah. to yeah i love it uh we have this question twice so i'm gonna go ahead and get to it uh julie bug <laughs> as well as our uh squad member jennifer arnold ask uh where is alex planning to film next year Good question. Uh, locations, you know, <laughs> no, um, I'm hoping to return to some places that I've been to. So 
So there's going to be a uh, follow-up to a uh, episode from last year in Kentucky. There's one of those coming up. Um, but places that I, I'm hoping to go to, you know, I don't usually like to give away specifics because that you know, the element of people maybe messing with stuff. But play, I'd like to follow up on stuff like the Honey Island Swamp in Louisiana, uh, maybe even parts of Florida, some of those swamps uh, for not just Bigfoot stuff, but other other projects as well. Um, and I'd like to return to places out west, maybe the Rocky Mountains again, um, and some of those kind of interesting locations in the lower 48. I would really like to get you down to the Sam Houston National Forest for like cool. yeah. a week. East Go Texas week. is definitely something we've talked about potentially doing for a while. So yeah. hopefully at some point. Yeah, that's a pipe dream of mine. <laughs> I think we'll make it happen at some point. Someday, yeah. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> Excuse me, that was terrible. I tried to mute for those. Sorry, everybody. Uh, BH asks, besides Bigfoot, what other cryptids do you want to investigate next? So one of the cryptids or cryptid categories I've always enjoyed is the mystery big cat stuff. So I don't know if I necessarily consider this super on the cryptid side, but the Florida panther is something that I've hoped to cover for a, a long time. We've covered it a little bit in some of our skunk ape stuff down there because it's just something you run into. But that's something I'd like to cover more, maybe more mystery big cats. Also other topics, I'm hoping to expand into other topics. I know we're potentially talking about doing some UFO stuff too. So there's other there's other uh, things in the works. So that's why I was kind of saying a little bit about beyond the trail, maybe not being as frequent of a thing. I'd like to switch it up a little bit and cover some different topics and just kind of not just cryptids, but other things as well we'll put it that way <laughs> yeah 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 less beyond the trail doesn't mean uh less stm right mean, exactly yeah just means just expand stop. our uh of the universe a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah yeah fun fun things in the pipeline for sure uh socal squatcher asks any trips back up to bailey colorado to hang out with jim yeah i'd like to as i mentioned rocky mountains colorado utah those areas uh, some of my favorite places to go and you know backpack into some of those just hike hike into the wilderness out there. There's some great areas. I would love to go back to Bailey and go back to the Sasquatch Outpost. I was actually on his show just a few weeks ago, um, so that was fun. I think Seth was also on his show um, fairly for, fairly shortly after I was. But uh, yeah, definitely would would like to return. I mean, any chance I, I would like to return, of course, mm -hmm. for sure. <clears throat> Uh, Dane Bartkus asks, and I, I haven't seen this documentary, so perhaps you have asked, uh, but what do you think about the documentary on Netflix about Bigfoot, how the guy is able to lure them in? I have no idea. I don't even know what documentary. I mean, there's multiple documentaries, I'm sure, about Bigfoot. That sounds a little too good to be true kind of thing, because uh, I guess if that's easily done, then you know why isn't it replicated or paired with HD footage or whatever? So I don't know. I haven't, uh, I don't even know what that's about. So sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Dane, let us know the name of that documentary and perhaps we can, we can explore that further, but thank you for the question. Appreciate it. Uh, I want to read this so I don't mess it up. Fender Gibawashi. Love that. What is the most <laughs> authentic sounding wood knocking tool where to buy or recommendations? Hmm. I think just, uh, I mean, probably one of the easiest things, uh, is just like a little, there's these things, these squatch knockers, but a little baseball bat, like a little mini Louisville slugger, even just a baseball bat. I mean, 
even aluminum ones I would imagine sound pretty good if you're going for that. Um, we, we, you know, I've tried all kinds of stuff, random pieces of wood you find in the woods. That's sometimes hit or miss, but, uh, yeah, just like a little baseball bat might be your best bet. Hmm. Great Trying to give that a spin. Yeah. It'll, it'll make a noise. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll get something. <laughs> it'll make some sounds. Maybe get uh, an Aztec death whistle. That'll, that'll be a, a very scary sound. Yeah. So. Just, just, just take a, take your Bluetooth speaker and your iPhone, pick a random small town monsters documentary, put the volume at max, host <laughs> that up, yeah. chill for a couple hours. Something's going to happen. Right, uh, right. <laughs> Robert Hollingsworth just says, keep up the good work. Thank you, Robert. We Thanks, appreciate Robert. that. It's out. It's I'm assuming he's talking to you. I don't really do anything. Um, squad member Jennifer Martin has a great comment for us. I love this. Uh, we love watching your adventures. My twins have followed you from the beginning and can't wait to see you at an event in June. We explore along the Appalachian Trail. Um, Jennifer, nice. of course, I believe is referring to Monster Fest 2, which is on June 29th of next year. Sure, yeah. So, Very yeah. Cool. Thank you so much, Jennifer. We love it. Yeah, uh, thanks for tuning in. We like hearing... Uh, People enjoy the adventures, and one of the big things for me, and I've always said this, is if I can inspire, inspire people to just get out and enjoy nature, there's no harm in that. I mean, there's no harm in just going out and having fun. You know, If it's a Bigfoot adventure or just a hiking trip, you're getting out there. It's healthy. It's good for you, and you can have some fun along the way and yeah. learn about nature. So why not? For sure. Love to hear when families are, are enjoying our stuff together as well. That's great. That's Definitely. great. Uh, Vicky asks, I always think of you all as modern adventurers. Do you think of yourself as that? Oh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. I would, yeah, I'd say so. Um, you know, without, you know, kind of sounding pretentious or anything, but, uh, it is, I mean, you think about it, all of the places we've been to it, it is an adventure. I mean, any trip you get to go on or any journey into a place you're not familiar with, uh, especially some of these wilderness areas, I, I consider that to be an adventure. And I, I look at it very fondly as a memory that I have, right? Something that I get to tell, um, you know, future generations about my escapades, looking for Sasquatch and all these random corners of the world. So yeah, it, it's, it, I think adventure is a good way to put it because I'm not a scientist, I'm not a biologist, I'm not a PhD. I'm just a guy who's trying to document my journeys and my adventures and uh, bring people along for the journey as well. Some, some, some of the videos are more investigative heavy. Uh, Dark Coast is kind of a mix of everything, but some of the Beyond the Trails are very interview heavy. Some of them are, are like a road trip film, like that Alaska Bigfoot Highway. That was like a road trip of me and my brother. That was a personal journey for me. So I got to kind of show that. And that was a huge adventure. I think about that all the time myself. Uh, so it's, yeah, definitely uh, adventure is... Uh, I don't have a middle name, so maybe that'll be my middle name, his adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Alexander Adventure Pedicom. <laughs> I like that. Thanks, I love Vicky. That. Thank you so much, Vicky. Um, what, what's that meme? It's something like uh, born too late to explore the earth, too early yeah. to explore space, but you can look for Bigfoot, folks. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, the, the modern world, how constricting it's getting and everything's going online and it seems just like the, the, the claws of modernity are, are clasping us all these these adventures give you a chance to realize you know the world's still a big incredible and beautiful place out there yeah for sure for sure great question vicky thank you uh our friend matt's tube of you another one of our squad members a uh, great episode was wondering alex if you or others you know have ever used native american tribal powwow type chants recordings as a way to get possible responses when investigating 
Good question. I know it's been done before. Uh, I know there's certain people of kind of First Nation Native uh, background that have done stuff like that. Um, I know other researchers have probably done this in the past. I mean, the thing with the with the Bigfoot topic, at least, is you think you have an idea that's new. I guarantee you it's been done and maybe even decades ago. Somebody's always thought of it. Whenever you think you have some really great original idea, somebody's done it. So I'm, I'm pretty positive this has been done. Closest I've ever really come to it is we've played, uh, I think it was even last year in Alaskan Coastal Sasquatch, we had Ron playing a flute. We've tried a didgeridoo. We've tried all kinds of weird, random stuff. You never know, see what happens. As I just mentioned earlier, the Aztec death whistle. I see some people using that now. And that pre it's this skull uh, whistle that creates this horrific shrieking noise. Uh, you can buy them, like 20 bucks on Amazon. Uh, pretty cool, actually. Uh, you know, Aztec death whistle. Uh, so there's I'm all kinds of stuff. looking that up right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah go put like. it on a bookmark. I'm serious there. You can get one for pretty cheap. I don't know how that speaks to the quality, but um, yeah, they have sure. them on Amazon. Wow. Yep. You probably like maybe <laughs> Mexico, Mexico or I don't know, but yeah, uh, yeah that's, it's a cool idea. I mean, I know people who, again, who are of that background have done sort of that approach. Um, and I don't know, maybe that's yielded some results. Maybe it hasn't, I'm not really sure, but uh, yeah. it's, it's not a bad idea. Very interesting concept. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate you. Yeah, uh, Kmart, another one of our regular viewers, asks, are there still stretches of wilderness that are untouched by man? Oceans aside, I'm talking uncombed land masses in northwestern North America. Probably, yeah. I mean, like I said, British Columbia, Yukon, and Alaska, there's, there's definitely, without a doubt in my mind, places where people have never physically been to. Maybe they've flown over it. Right. I'm sure much of Alaska's airspace has been flown over at some point. But, you know, how is a plane at 30,000 feet? Is it a small helicopter? A lot of bush planes in Alaska. But there's definitely places where people have where it's just so inconceivably dangerous to even try to get to. There's these parts of uh, the thinking of an interview now with this guy, Chuk, that's going to be in the upcoming be on the trail about the Kenai Peninsula. He would say how, you know, you, you drive a boat around some of these areas and you look up at these cliffs and these mountains there's not even anywhere to land a boat, let alone try to climb up and get into some of these forests that are up in these these rugged valleys. I mean, maybe you could land a helicopter and have a guy climb down on a ladder, but it would just be so difficult. Most people, especially in the past, when these areas were being settled and uh, discovered, there was no reason to risk your life to go to a place like that. I was that. about I mean, to say, there has to be a reason to go. Yeah, usually yeah. we as humans, we have a reason why we're doing something. So mm -hmm. there's absolutely undoubtedly places in some of those gigantic Canadian provinces and in, in Alaska that just have never had a person just step foot there for sure. I mean, just because of the simple amount of landmass. I mean, we, people have been everywhere for the most part, but there's definitely still untouched places uh, and maybe even large, you know, areas. Great question, Kmart. Yeah, I love thinking about that. That's it's almost terrifying. It's very fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> uh let's see let's see brian s always good to see you brian asks did you guys see the dr melba ketchum interview with steve isdahl and if so what are your thoughts i have not seen it so no i don't i don't believe though either of those two are personally credible but uh <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that we'll I'll, I'll say this there is a uh excellent refutation of dr melba ketchum's alleged dna study this is old news if you've been in the bigfoot community for a while you would know this guy named Dr. Haskell Hart, who is actually a Bigfoot researcher who claims to have seen a Bigfoot, did a refutation of why 
her DNA study was bunk. And I know people are probably going to be upset by me just saying this, but uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of either of those two. But we'll just we'll put it at that, you know. Uh, don't believe people who speak in absolutes about these topics. And uh, these two are, are repeat offenders. So just be, be, be wary. You know, don't trust what you see online. We'll second that. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I also have not seen it, but um, yes, thank you. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate the question. <laughs> uh, Mid-South Explorers asks, have you had any close calls or potentially dangerous encounters with brown bears on your Alaskan adventures? Thankfully not, no, <laughs> which is a relief. Um, we have seen some grizzly bears, uh, even when I was driving up to Alaska on the side of the road. We saw a grizzly bear on a remote stretch of highway between northern British Columbia and the Yukon, and it was just kind of strolling the side of the road. And, you know, maybe it was 20, 30 feet from us, and we were able to get really good video of it and film it. Uh, but not out while at Area A. Luckily, we possibly had a sighting of one last year. One of the guys on the boat thought he saw one up on a hill. That was the same day that we tried to hike to a glacier on a river, on the side of a frozen river. And we uh, saw three or four black bear later that afternoon, kind of on that same hillside, just feeding up in the hill uh, as they do looking for grubs and all kinds of food sources in the spring when they're coming out of hibernation. And we came across plenty of black bear sign, but uh, no, not any close calls. Found grizzly bear tracks in Alaska and, and the drive up, but nothing too close, which is good because I know people who have had close calls with uh, grizzly bears, brown bears, and Kodiak bears, and they're not fun. I mean, they're they're pretty terrifying. Uh, people have survived some close calls, and you know they are a, a very dangerous animal if you get them in the wrong circumstance. Yeah, but, uh, haven't haven't had that uh, misfortune, I suppose. We've seen them, but from a healthy distance, I'd say. <laughs> probably probably try to keep it that way. I'm yeah, that's that's the best way to see it. Where you get to enjoy an animal, regardless of what it is. I mean, moose too. Moose are terrifying. They're, they're statistically more dangerous than, than bear, even in Alaska. Yes. Seeing, seeing these critters from a distance is the best. You see them, they're safe, you're safe. You get to enjoy it, and both parties get to live to tell the tale. I did a lot of research on moose for the Texas Dogman Triangle, um, and I would rather meet a dogman in the wild, I think, than a moose. Um, seriously. Uh, Brian has another very important question for us. What or sorry, where, what, and when is Monster Fest? Where is Canton, Ohio uh, at the Hilton Doubletree Inn? Very nice place. What is the second uh, so far annual Small Town Monsters convention where you can hang out with people like Alex, um, also myself, I guess, and the rest of the Small Town Monsters crew? Uh, it will be an all-day event. Admission is free for children under 12, and you can get your tickets right now at stmmonsterfest.com. So, Great question, Brian. Thank you so much for that. Oh, when? Sorry. June 29th of next year, 2024. It is a Saturday. Uh, Kevin Hamilton asks, we know about the four horsemen of Bigfoot, but who do you believe are the modern day equivalent to those legends? Who is on your Mount Rushmore of modern researchers? Oh, this is a fun one. This it's is a great one. question. Like yeah. fantastic. This is fun. Yeah. That's, I got a shout out to Kevin. He is somebody who used to watch my live stream over on Sasquatch out of the shadows for years. Great, loyal Canadian followers. So awesome to see Kevin over here. Hope you're doing well, man. It's a good question. So obviously with the four horsemen of Bigfoot, they were kind of some of the old school, old timers. You you had Peter Byrne, John Green, Renee DeHinden, and Dr. Grover Krantz. Those are the four guys. 
Modern day equivalent. Ah, oh, that's a tough one. I don't know. Man, I you know I don't know if it would cons it would have to be like modern as in people who are right now in twenty twenty three around, but I'd say people that are within the last couple of decades. I think since the Four Horsemen, that was they kind of started tapering off towards the end of the late nineties is when they started passing away, and then I think most of them passed away in the two thousands. John Green was a few years ago. And then just this past summer was Peter Byrne. But I would say probably Dr. Jeff Meldrum is on there. I think he would take the place of Dr. Grover Krantz you know, on this hypothetical Bigfoot Rushmore. John Bindernagel, I would say also Dr. John Bindernagel, who was one of my personal favorite researchers. He passed away a few years ago. But from everyone I, I ever talked to about him, nobody ever had anything bad to say about him. And he his book is ex, his the, the one book I've read. He has two. I haven't read the second one. But... His book about North American Sasquatch, fantastic book, just seemed like a wealth of knowledge and was a, a biologist who did work around the world. He would be a great addition. Oh gosh, who else? Uh, let's see. There's a lot of kind of stuff coming to mind, but how much space do we have, I guess, on there? Um, <sighs> it's like it's like casting say, your own League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, I'd say yeah. probably Cliff Berrickman would be one that would be up there. But then you got kind of got to include Bobo too. Um, uh, yeah, let's throw Bobo in there too. I think just I, I know those guys and they're and they're they're good people. I think Cliff is a good researcher. I think he, um, you know, for not being like a scientist, I understand he was a science teacher at one point, but I think he does a pretty good job, especially with like the North American Bigfoot Center. And then Bobo, I mean, is is just a very lovable character. There's plenty of others. I mean, if we're really modern, I'd put somebody like Matt Pruitt on there. Um, and and others as well but uh, maybe thomas steenberg up in canada he's kind of one of those people that i consider to be an honorary four horseman he was around for a lot of the time they were the four horsemen so um yeah i think that's that's we'll go with that for now so we did have a call out from caster while you were uh, putting the list together stm team all of them just wanted to throw that <laughs> no, that's I nice know. that's a kind I appreciate of that but i think it's uh, you know there's these people that have just been around for a while that again people like meldrum and um some of these other great folks that I mentioned that are, uh, you know, just known for it. And I think they do a good job for the most part. That's a cool, that's a great question. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. Good to see you, man. Love that. Uh, BH asks, Alex, you mentioned that you were open to exploring other unexplained topics. Do you want to do a Dogman themed project in the future? Uh, so... Yes and no. Not I'm not particularly interested in that topic as much as, say, Aaron or other people might be. Um, I will have a project that talks about it a little bit, going to the land between the lakes, which is kind of known for that thing. I'm I'm personally very skeptical of it, and I'm I'm not hesitant to to talk about that. So I, I will definitely put that spin on it. But I think that's probably it. I mean, I I don't really cover that kind of stuff. I guess unless I really run into it, I'm I'm more interested in expanding beyond even some cryptid topics even going into location specific stuff i mean you've got stuff like the bridgewater triangle or even i would say even this this project i'm going to do on the lbl it's going to kind of be more of a case study on the lbl itself you know why does an area like this create so much folklore whether it be dogman bigfoot weird cult activity strange crimes so i want to look into specifically areas so that'll be kind of um, it, it takes, takes less emphasis off of a certain topic, 
and more about a broad look at why one particular area might be more interesting. Also, there's some you know other locations I'd like to look into, but I would just like to expand into that kind of regional overview, even sort of stuff. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good. And if, if Dogman is one of these subsets in there, you know, I don't, I, I won't not talk about it. Like with the LBL, you kind of have to, but um, you'll see my sort of brand of skepticism with that. So uh, we'll put it at that. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I've been thinking along similar lines for a, a, another LBL-related project, and you and I haven't compared notes, so that's, that's fun. <laughs> It'll be interesting, yeah. And I haven't even looked at starting to edit that because I'm still in Alaska and British Columbia at this point. So it'll be interesting once I get over there or to yeah, that sort of stuff. For sure, man. Can't wait to see. Cannot wait to see that. Uh, CJ Balker asks, what part of the United States will you not go Bigfoot hunting? Mm. <laughs> Probably like New York City. <laughs> <laughs> Long Island, right? Just places I don't really have a desire to go to. Some desert environments probably are not the greatest. Uh, typically places that would potentially have good habitat, maybe some parts of the Appalachian Mountains, some of the swamps down south, uh, the, the Intermountain West, the Rocky Mountains, the Pacific Northwest. Those are areas usually go to the midwest i would like to go to at some point i know the upper midwest like minnesota wisconsin i know there's some there's a lot of forest up there that connects up into canada that's a lot of there's a lot of reports and stuff up there but i just haven't i, I just i don't know i get weirded out by really flat places yeah um, I, I'm, I'm a mountain person so i i like having some kind of contours and and mountains uh you know sure in florida louisiana places like that it's flat but i feel like the swamps are interesting um, the Midwest kind of depresses me, just that the landscape. No offense to the Midwest, but there's some, some cool-looking areas out there. But, uh, yeah. yeah, probably somewhere just in general urban areas, just where, you know, what are the chances you're going to run into something? Probably not very high. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say desert, like you said earlier, because, you know, I'm close enough to the desert in southwest Texas to know I right. don't need to be any closer to it. Sure. And the idea of trying to go out and conduct research not that I do a lot of field work. I, I do this stuff, which is easier. But, yeah, I mean, but I will say deserts. I love deserts. Some of my, one of my most favorite types of habitat on, on earth is the, de the high deserts of, of Utah. So like Moab, Utah, Arches National Park, Canyonlands. It's so otherworldly. I think it's because I'm used to being in mountainous areas that are usually temperate areas. So you go to the Appalachian Mountains or the Rockies or Alaska you're, you're going to have a forest environment, whereas the desert is so, I, it feels like an alien landscape. So I would love to do some stuff out there, just explore uh, maybe more UFO related stuff or look into some of the, the ancient villages that the, some of the, the natives have out there, that kind of stuff. There's stuff in the desert. It's very interesting because you look on the map of the Western U.S. how much desert there actually is. It's so it's much. frightening how much territory yeah. is out there and there's nothing out there, yeah. right? And, and not a lot of life. Some of these places, sure, they do have some wildlife, but not nearly as much as, say, even some of the forests in places like Utah or Colorado and the Rocky Mountains. So, yeah, deserts fascinate me, like like yeah. they do with swamps. I'm very interested in those, even though they're kind of out of my element. It makes you wonder what kind of cryptid sightings you we would get if more people spent more time out there. That's just, you know. Right. The, the UFO stuff, I mean, that's obviously big out there. Yeah. We, have, we do have a question to that effect. SoCal Squatcher asks, uh, any UFO-specific hunts in the works? You touched on this a little bit. I don't know if you want to explore any further. 
Yeah, I mean, I will say that uh, I had a pretty interesting UFO experience slash sighting in 2019 in Pennsylvania. That's something I'd really like to explore in depth. I mean, you can see the footage of it on my website, Petikov Media. You go back to like 2019 in the blog section, it's got a whole write-up. Uh, I, I would love to do something on that. That's, I think, something that will probably be my first focus. Just because it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And I only make the claim that it was a UFO by definition of the word. So unidentified flying object or UAP, whatever they're calling them now. I don't pay much attention to the UFO topic online. I know it's it's a bigger and more than some of the other cryptid stuff. There's just a lot going on because there's a lot of government stuff going on. I don't follow nearly enough attention, but maybe I will once I get more into uh, that topic. So it's hard to see. keep up with these days, dude. It's really hard. Yeah, <laughs> there's a it's lot hard. going on. Yeah, it, it's been rolling for sure. Yep. A uh, couple more questions. We want to try to get to everybody, but we are coming up on the hour. So just uh, apologies in advance if anyone, if we don't. Get just, we'll do a speed round. Try to get as many questions in. Yeah, let's do uh, it. Me keeping answers short would be impossible, but we'll try. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love doing shows with you. I don't have to do very much. No. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Uh, Julie Bug asks, uh, what impressed you more about Alaska? Just the, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's so hard to say, just the, the, the landscape. I mean, just being in Anchorage and you look around and there's these epic mountains within scenes like arm's reach and just the, the sheer size and that feeling that it's just, I mean, Alaska's only got a population of 700,000, a little over that. For its size, that's ridiculously unpopulated. So it's just, if, I don't think it's even a word, unpopulated, underpopulated, we'll say that. I think uh, it is a word. It is? Okay. It's I, in my next book, so I hope it's a word. Otherwise, I'm just making stuff up, but uh, we'll go with that. <laughs> but no, it's just, there's a special feeling to Alaska. It truly is the last frontier. It's the end of the road. I mean, driving up there, it is the end. I drove to, in the Kenai Peninsula, there's a road near Homer that is the westernmost paved road that's connected to the rest of North America. I mean, it's the westernmost. You can't go any further. It's crazy. So it's just something special about Alaska uh, to make a long answer short. No, that was very concise. Thank you, Julie. Appreciate that. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Epic D Media asks, really enjoy your Beyond the Trail boots on the ground stuff. Any chance on checking out British Columbia? Yes, funny you should say that. Uh, yeah, we already actually have a few videos that cover British Columbia. We have one that is the Alaska Bigfoot Highway, which covers my journey through British Columbia. And then the last Beyond the Trail video that came out a few weeks ago, actually, on Thanksgiving here in the States, you can check that out. That is called The Land of the Sasquatch. That is all about British Columbia. And there will be one more current video that I'm currently working on that's also going to be about British Columbia. So we got to go there in May, and uh, there's another STM film coming out about that soon, too, which will be great. Yeah. So yes is the answer. <laughs> yeah, right. We got, so, we got you there. <laughs> we got you covered for sure. Uh, BH has a follow-up question for us, uh, asked about Dogman earlier. Okay, thanks. I'm agnostic about Dogman reports, but just wanted to ask. Great question, BH. I'm right there with you. Uh, side note, besides Champ and Nessie, what other water cryptids do you want to cover? Oh, it's a good question. Yeah, those are two the ones that I've covered previously. Champ is probably one of my favorite kind of aquatic mysteries. It's a very interesting story. Man, I think there's... So there's a few... One of them would be the Altamaha, that's what they call it. It's kind of funny name, but down in Georgia, 
Darien, Georgia on the Altamaha River. There's some kind of creature that's been seen. I drove through there a few years ago and I was driving down to Florida and I talked to some locals and I talked to a guy who claimed to have seen one, uh, which is really interesting. That's a cool one. I'd like to you know, poke around there for a little bit. And then, um, I mean, there's stuff like the Cadborosaurus on the West Coast. There's a lot of those aquatic cryptids, but I think the Altamaha one is probably one that I like to check out the most. Also, I don't know if these count as cryptids, but down in the Everglades, there's large crocodiles. I don't know if that counts as cryptids, but I'd like to find the largest one down there. That would be really cool. I mean, they're they're only supposed to get so big, so right. you know, find a big enough one. There's a uh, Austin, Texas, actually has a water monster, um, which showed up, I think, in the '60s. His name was Old Hippie. He was described Ooh, as basically looking like the Loch Ness monster, and all one or two sightings took place at a. Uh, We'll call it a hippie camp. We'll just leave hippie it at camp, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, shout out to Michael Tovar, our audience member who is watching from Austin. Maybe you can dig into that for us. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that'd be really cool. Man. Well, folks, we are at the top of the hour, so we are going to go ahead and wrap things up. A huge thank you to everybody for coming out to talk about the conclusion of Dark Coast, Hunt for the Alaskan Bigfoot. Um, obviously, as you've heard, this is not the last we'll be hearing from Mr. Petikov in the immediate future. So <laughs> stick around. I'm sure we'll be having more of these conversations. Um, again, thank you for all your questions, all your comments, our sincere apologies if we didn't get to anybody. Um, Love it when all these comments come in, but they can be yeah. hard to keep up with. So just... it was great, though. I feel like we just were, were going not really speed, yeah. around, but we were just knocking them all out. I love yeah. it. The best shows are the ones where I don't have to use my notes because my notes are boring. The audience is not. So thank you guys all so much. Yeah, always bringing the good questions. Uh, we will be back next week with another guest. Can't tell you who. Find out then. Thank you again for joining me, Alex. And you for guys sure. have a great evening. Thank you. Take it easy, guys. You've been listening to the Small Town Monsters Broadcasting Network. If you enjoyed this show, consider giving it a like, review, rating, or sharing it with a friend. And be sure to visit smalltownmonsters.com for more info about this and other STM projects.